Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning to those around the world listening to this podcast. Welcome to episode 112 of The Young Lions Perspective. And today, I want to start off the show by talking about SmackDown Live. Nothing else. Well, was it? Jesus, I forgot my days of the week. My God. Um, Tuesday. There we go. Tuesday's episode was the last ever episode of SmackDown Live on the USA Network. For the better part of three years since the draft, SmackDown has had its highs and its superior lows. But let's talk about the highs. I'm trying to keep us on a positive note today. Let's take it back to 2016, shall we? The 2016 WWE draft, to make it easy on you guys, I believe it was around September or October. I can't remember which month off the top of my head, but the draft went down. We're on SmackDown. We're going to be split again. Thank God for a lot of people at that time, especially for myself was kind of getting back into the swing of things of enjoying professional wrestling once again. And the draft came and went over two nights. It looked as if Raw was going to be looked at as the A show. And SmackDown Live pretty much got the shit end of the stick with the draft, the draft class that they had in 2016. Over on Raw, of course, you had the name, you had, of course, the Roman Reigns. You had the Seth Rollins, the Braun Strowmans, the Lesners, Samoa Joes. You had an all-star cast of talent on the Red Brand. On SmackDown Live, you had the the names were that nobody, I wouldn't necessarily say cared about, but they were simply looked at to most people as the throwaways of WWE. Guys like Dean Ambrose and AJ, well, not AJ Styles, but I would, I would, I guess you consider that, you know, AJ Styles, who would be part of the main event scene. Guys like Dolph Ziggler and The Miz. Ladies like Alexa Bliss and Becky Lynch. And I remember that first episode of SmackDown Live where... It was after Vince McMahon wanted brand warfare between Stephanie and Shane McMahon. That episode would be would be a landmark episode to me in terms of SmackDown Live because this was considered the land of opportunity for a lot of the talent that were going to be on SmackDown Live. And for the remainder of 2016, they literally put on a clinic in terms of what a show could be if you actually gave it time to have storylines develop, character develop, taking great care in what you were doing week in and week out, long-term storylines that captivated the fans who watch SmackDown Live regularly. You know, 
One of the better rivalries of the remainder of 2016 after the draft was Dolph Ziggler and The Miz when they fought over the Intercontinental Championship. And that feud, I think, was one of the landmark feuds going towards the end of 2016. Dolph Ziggler put literally got to the point where he would put his career on the line just to become Intercontinental Champion. And that literally was one of my favorite feuds of 2016 and one of my favorite feuds of all time. Just for the story that they told, Miz being the dick-like heel. You know, it was absolutely an epic feud that came up, that ended with Ziggler finally beating the Miz and becoming Intercontinental Champion. The pop that he got, um, that he pretty much got when he won the title, that pop, I will never, I can hear it in my head right now. That pop he received when he, when that third count went down by the referee, what a pop Ziggler received. Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles became household names to us. The, the house that AJ Styles built became a phrase. Dean Ambrose walking in as WWE champion, you know, especially after um, winning it in a triple threat match with the Shield just a couple months prior. And a lot of people, you know, were just wondering how are they going to build this? Well, they built it from the inside out. They had Ryan, they brought in Ryan Ward, who is one of the best writers WWE has going. I don't know if he's still part of WWE as a whole, but they brought him up from NXT. Ryan Ward is a name a lot of people should fucking remember because of the fact that he helped write these storylines to help captivate our minds. Road Dog came in to help produce the talent. Shane McMahon was the GM. Uh, I was actually the authority figure, and I think Paige at that time was the GM of, of the of the brand. They really gave us something that was worthwhile, something we could enjoy two two hours every Tuesday night. Whereas Raw literally didn't even. I mean, they tried their best to compete with SmackDown Live, but they couldn't compete with what SmackDown had. And that was, you know, desire to be great. A desire to show the world that this brand is just as relevant as what they had over on Monday Night Raw. Heath Slater and Rhino became the first ever SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions. Becky Lynch became the first ever SmackDown Live Women's Champion after winning a tournament to become champion. Her and Alexa Bliss had a great rivalry in 2016. The the, the storyline that Heath Slater and Rhino had, where Heath Slater wasn't even contracted to WWE and earned his shot at becoming a part of the WWE, becoming the first ever SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions, where where a team like the Usos was becoming part of that division. It was a wonderful time. It was a beautiful time. Going into 2017, we had a lot. I had a lot of hope for the brand. It would be the first full calendar year in which they could just create magic. Create all the kinds of magic that would be wonderful going into WrestleMania. 
we then had going into WrestleMania, uh, the WWE Championship. Bray Wyatt, if I'm not mistaken, became champion, and that was even just as a big, uh, even a bigger moment for all of us who were big fans of Bray Wyatt and were proud to see him champion. Proud to see Bray Wyatt finally get his just doing to be a top guy in the brand. A few weeks later, unfortunately, Randy Orton became WWE champion. Now, that's not to say that's a bad thing, but it was necessary. It was one of those, one of the probably one of the worst bad calls in the history of SmackDown at that up to that point with the, with the new draft. And then we had the unfortunate call, the unfortunate booking of Jinder Mahal becoming the WWE champion. And I think at that point, I believe that was like February of that year, February or March. No, actually, no, it was probably it was after WrestleMania. I believe it was Backlash. It was right after WrestleMania. Jinder Mahal became the 50th ever WWE champion. And I think that spelled the beginning of the end for what SmackDown Live was trying to do in the land of opportunity. Now, around the same time. Shinsuke Nakamura actually came up from NXT and a lot of people including myself felt that Nakamura was going to be the next WWE champion unfortunately that was our one true shot at getting something that was worthwhile in terms of a top guy of the brand what happened well unfortunately Mahal beat Nakamura twice and retained the championship that was literally our one true shot at having Nakamura as champion. And honestly, he hasn't, I don't think he's recovered from that since. Sure, as of right now, he's your current reigning and defending Intercontinental Champion on the blue brand. But he isn't, he hasn't been the same Shinsuke Nakamura since then. Now, November rolled around in 2017 AJ Styles beat Mahal because we all knew Jinder Mahal versus Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series was going to be an absolute waste of our fucking time and so we were thankful enough to have Styles beat Lesnar and have Styles versus Lesnar at Survivor Series that pretty much went along with AJ Styles becoming a very you know the house that AJ Styles built and having a 300 I believe it was a 371 day championship reign before he lost the championship. But ever since Mahal became champion, SmackDown Live never really recovered from its woes. It really hasn't. Um, sure, you brought guys over to the blue brand. You know, you brought over as of late, you know, Finn Balor, who's on at who's who's been who's on uh, leave from the company, Roman Reigns, although he's still working on SmackDown Live and Raw with the wildcard rule finally gonna going to be ending shortly. But SmackDown Live in its three plus years never felt the same as it did in twenty in late twenty sixteen. Honestly, I, I always think about what really could have been for the blue brand. 
what really could have been a welcome, you know, you know, coming in there with, you know, and them greeting us with open arms, giving us quality content two hours every Tuesday night. The wild card final in, 20, in late 2016 felt like one of the best pay-per-view shows of that year. The wild card final when Raw had a, only had its pay-per-view that month, SmackDown Live had a better show and it felt like a pay-per-view. That episode alone in late December of 2016 still stands out to me as one of the best shows I literally have ever seen. Ever of SmackDown Live. Even going back to its early days in 99 through 2001 in its infancy. It was one of those things where you believed in something. Like you truly believed in a product. Raw didn't give us that feel that SmackDown did because they had they were the underdogs. They were the ones who, you know, the talent over there, you know, weren't looked at as top tier talent. They were just looked at as the throwaways. And they did something that I haven't seen replicated in many moons, in many a week. You know, this is even before NXT started dominating over WWE during Big Four weekends. This was even before that. They were just starting to get their momentum going in late 2016. But I always hearken back. I always think back to that time. Those three, four months in 2016 and think, what could have been? As we now go into a new era of SmackDown, making its way over to the Fox Networks, I I have that I have that feeling that Fox wants that sports-like feel. They really do. They didn't pay a billion dollars to Vince McMahon to just have shitty quality product. You know what I mean? They want the best period and starting next Friday we're going to see what Smackdown's all about now now I know Fox, Fox Networks is going to be in Vince McMahon's ear telling them what exactly what they want in their product and I stated this before in past episodes of the podcast and saying Vince McMahon is Fox's bitch Vince McMahon is literally their bitch if they want a certain someone to win WWE Championship, they're gonna, they're, they have no, Vince McMahon is gonna make that happen. I know that for a fact. When Brock Lesnar came back onto the scene two weeks ago, and Paul Heyman challenged him to a WWE Championship match on the debut episode of SmackDown Live, to most people, it, look, it was looked at as a mere formality that Brock Lesnar would become WWE champion again. And then we would, and I've stated it plenty of times on this podcast, we would go right back to square one. Now, this time around, it necessarily doesn't have that feeling because we could be shocked and Kofi Kingston could be booked to beat Brock Lesnar. Mind you, he did the job for Seth Rollins back at WrestleMania and at SummerSlam to conclude the feud. 
We could see that again. We could see it happen again. So, as much as I would think in my head, oh shit, here we go again. With Brock Lesnar coming out and facing and challenging Kofi Kingston for the title, one has to think that Kingston could be booked to beat Lesnar. Lesnar could be doing the job for Kofi. If the, do- if the check is right, it clears. And get his Bud Light because Miller Light wouldn't pay him enough. <laughs> Classic line. But if that's the case... If maybe they book Kingston to beat Lesnar, that would be even more of a shocking moment. That would be one of the biggest moments of 2019. Hands down. It would it would shock a lot of people. It would shock me. That'd be, that's for damn sure. As we go into this new era of SmackDown, Friday Night SmackDown, Bringing it back to the old school days when Friday Night SmackDown was a thing before, when it was taped. I have a sense, I have a glimmer of hope. I have the hope that they haven't, I mean, with this draft coming up, I have a, I have that, I want to have that feeling of they know what they're doing. I want to have that hope. But what they've been giving us the past year plus, even going back further than that, I get that strange feeling like they don't give a damn. But with Fo- with the Fox Network breathing down Vince McMahon's throat. Breathing down his neck, I should say. That was kind of a weird flex. I think F- Fox is going to have Vince McMahon have to be looked upon to produce the best quality. Now, it does suck that Eric Bischoff, who is now the creative director for SmackDown Live, isn't really doing anything much of creative. That has been reported, and we have discussed it at length. I want to believe that this era coming up, when it begins on October 4th, and especially after the draft comes, and we have the October 18th episode of SmackDown Live, when we begin the new true era of SmackDown Live. I want to believe that, you know, they have a plan. They have a plan in place. Now, depending on, you know, who goes where is what matters. I'm not even going to try to get into who I think is going to go where because that's just, I mean, I could do mock drafts all day, every day for the NFL draft or for my fantasy football draft or whatever. I'll still get I'll still get it wrong easily too. I want to think that you know they've really taken the time to sit down, break down who deserve who needs to go where, why, build an actual main event scene for both shows, a mid card scene we can actually give a damn about, redistribute the women's division properly. Same goes with the tag teams. And have plans in place to have shows that actually make us not want to grab the remote and change the channel after the first half hour of the show. Especially on Monday nights when NFL 
pretty much is going to come on and I know I'm going to see a football game for four months out of the year. I want to believe that they have uh, an idea in place. They, they have ideas in place of exactly what they want, of who they want as champions, what they want to build. Because literally, once you start that draft, you're literally building now towards Survivor Series. And if they're going with the same format they have now, the possibility of Bray Wyatt versus Brock Lesnar is there. Especially if Bray Wyatt does beat Seth Rollins for the uh, WWE Universal Championship at Hell in a Cell, which is a definite possibility now. Right after that, you have TLC. And then you go into the Royal Rumble. Then we have the Road to WrestleMania. I have to believe in my heart of hearts, if I'm Vince McMahon, if I'm doing this draft, I have to think long-term from here on out. Because I know Fox is going to be on my ass to have certain people be where they need to be. If Bischoff sees a guy or girl that he sees that could be a possibility of making a noise for themselves in the future going forward after the draft I want to make sure I have that person in place to make major waves do I think it'll happen no it'll still be the same old same old but now Fox wants 3 million viewers per week they want their want a solid return on investment if they don't that billion dollars they paid to have WWE product on their channels will be all for nothing. Vince McMahon is now caught between a rock and a hard place, and he knows it. And I don't think he likes it. He's usually in control, but this time around, Fox executives are in control. It's their show now. Vince McMahon just has to book it properly. If they want Brock Lesnar as their champion, they already put a billion dollars on the line. They want Brock Lesnar as their champion, as the face of their brand. I have hope. I do. I shouldn't, but I do. The draft itself could put SmackDown in a major, major position, especially given the fact that SmackDown is already going to be looked at as the A show going forward. I mean, you're putting Michael Cole... Corey Graves on the show as the as the, the two man commentary team, while you're having Vic Joseph and Dio Madden on at Raw. Already, you are telling me they are going to be the A show, kicking off your weekends, and that's fine. But they have to start acting like it's the A show because saying it and doing it are two completely different things. And if you're not doing what you say you're going to do, honestly, can't really believe in you. This is episode 112 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin.
What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling Nations Podcast here, and welcome to episode 112 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here again this Thursday afternoon, or Thursday night, or Friday morning, whenever you're listening to this, and I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Before we get into the NXT review, I want to go over a couple of things. I have some good news coming from my end. I actually had talked about this, I believe, in the last episode of the episode before that, 110 or 111, I can't remember which. But I did talk about, you know, possibly with my the position I have at my job right now, going to overnight shifts. And I don't have to worry about that for as long as I thought I had to. I now have a new position at where I work at. Um, It's a Monday through Friday job. I'm going to be working days. Uh, A little bit more pay, of course, and that's always a plus. Weekends off. Uh, I'm very happy I actually got this job. Uh, Of course, you know, when you go into any new position anywhere, it's going to be a little different because... You know, you're going into an unknown, you're learning new things, especially with the position I had. Um, I was just five months into the position before uh, I found out that my shift was going to go to overnights. So I don't have to worry about that as long as I think I have to. But I can tell you that where we are right now, uh, in terms of the podcast, you're going to get it during the week. Um, more so now, it'll come out on the in the afternoons. Going into the evenings, unless I do a podcast episode on the weekends, which is going to be a huge plus. Um, I'm not exactly sure when my new position is going. I'm going to start my new position, um, and that will probably happen over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned with that. I'll keep you guys uh, updated with everything that's going on with me and my personal life, because I, you know, I keep it 100 with you guys, as every person should when they're doing something like this. But you will be getting regular podcasts throughout the week, afternoons. Without fail, you know, I was dreading going overnights, but I lucked out with the position that I got. I got hired. Um, I got the offer letter last night, actually while watching NXT, of all things. And then uh, I accepted the offer this morning. So, and then word started, and I let word go out around the store that I was going to be moving over to my new position. So, now I'm in a very I'm in a much better position now um, financially um, and the podcast now will still continue to be going down in the afternoons now it's going to be a little bit different um, considering my hours are going to be Monday through Friday through the week so most of the time you'll be getting podcasts throughout the afternoon like I stated but weekends we can do we can get a little little crazy with it we can do it in the morning we can do it at night afternoons, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be dope, I mean, like I said, 2019 was the start, 2018 was the beginning of, was like the warm-up, 2019 is setting the table, and now, for the remainder of this year, going into 2020, uh, it's going to get better, it's better for me, that means it's better for you, and it's better for all of us, and I'm very happy that uh, I did get this position at my job. And now, you know, I can 
take that weight off my shoulders, worrying about finding another a job somewhere else other than where I work at now. You know, I enjoyed my position before I got hired to my new position. I did like doing the deliveries thing, you know, coming in, it was, you know, running around all day, doing things, running around, doing this, doing that. And now being able to just be a merchandising sales team member, you know, where I work at now, it it's going to be a different transition, but I'm, I'm very happy with the result that came out. So once I get my situation, once I get everything sorted out, once I take care, once I figure out, you know, okay, I can do a podcast this day, this day, this day, we'll get into a bit of a routine. We'll have a weekly schedule. Um, so definitely look forward to that. And, you know, that's what we we can expect going forward. So like I said, once I get a routine going with my new position at my job, that's when, you know, we can really get the ball rolling and start doing, having a weekly schedule, doing this, doing that, and the third. So life update over now. We can get into the fun stuff. We can get into talking about last night's episode of NXT. Second week of NXT on the USA Network. They are really ramping up towards next Wednesday. This is, these last two weeks have literally just been warm-ups for the black and gold brand, I think. And now as we head towards October 2nd, it's going to be a barn burner of a week. You got to think, you know, you got Monday Night Raw, the go-home show for Hell in a Cell. Um... And then you're going to have Wednesday Night NXT, Wednesday Night Dynamite, you know, for AEW. Um, of course, Tuesday we'll have, um, we heard the news that Impact is now going over to Access TV. Uh, for those of you who watch Impact, hooray for you. For those of us who don't watch Impact, it's just a night off for me. And I just get to chill and just get my stuff sorted out for Tuesdays. Then you have, of course, Thursday Night Football for people who are fans of the NFL. And then you have Friday Night Smackdown. So it's going to be a very chaotic, crazy week for yours truly. Um, I'm going to love every bit of it. And it's going to be wild. And then we go up to Friday, you have uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling on Access TV. And it's, going to, it's just going to be a dope week. But y'all know for as long as I've been doing this, I don't watch Raw anyway. So, Mondays will not be a concern of mine. My concern will be with Monday Night Football. And that's how that goes with that. But as we head into next Wednesday. And... Oh, bless you, Marlon. And we head into the so-called Wednesday Night Wars. It is, it is a great time to be a wrestling fan. Especially if you are a fan of NXT. Uh, if you become a fan of AEW. Like I have over the last year or so. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great time, and this episode of NXT definitely helped in getting us looking forward to next week's episode of NXT, so let's not waste any more damn time about me rambling. Let's get into the review, and they started with the Undisputed Era. Finally, finally, all four members of the Undisputed Era coming out with championship Gold, Adam Cole is NXT champion, Roderick Strong, now the new North American heavyweight champion, and 
Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish walking up to the balcony over the commentary booth, which is now on the other side of the ring, which is actually think, I think is a smart move by them. Holding up all of their titles from the top of the balcony to the delight of the NXT crowd in the Full Sail Arena. That was a great way to start the show. Just having those four guys, you know, just observing the crowd, observing their people, holding up championship gold. And it was just, it was just a great moment for the, all four of the guys. And I'm sure all four of them were just in awe of the moment that was that. Them coming out as a, as a quartet with all the gold on the men's side in NXT. But what really kicked off the night in proper fashion was the third match between Keith Lee and Dominic Dajakovic. The first two matches, the first match ending in a double countout was the smartest move they could have made. I think at that point, you know, I don't think either man could afford a loss going forward. And it was the right call. I even stated it in my NXT review when I talked about this match. That was the proper way to end that matchup. As shitty as a, a call it could be for uh, for most of us who were hoping for Lee or Dajakovic to win, it was the right call. Second matchup went down. Dajakovic beat Keith Lee. Uh, that was before, I believe, um, both men were out with in- a little bit of an injury for a while. More so Dajakovic than Lee. Uh, in the meantime, Lee was dealing with Damian Priest um, and had a really good match with him in the main event of an NXT episode, which I covered. Um, the Infinite the Infinite One for, takes on the uh, Archer Infamy. You can go back and check that out. I thought that was a really fun episode to uh, record. And now we get to round three. After what we had saw in the second matchup with the Spanish fly from Keith Lee. Now, mind you, Keith Lee, 6'2", damn near 350. Doing a Spanish fly off the top rope. Dominic Dajakovic, I believe he is 6'5", on the north side of like 280. And they were doing things that cruiserweights could do. And I love that. I love the fact that NXT, and I even said it last night on Twitter. I love the fact that NXT is so unique and innovative with what they do. Having talent that can do X, Y, and Z. Big guys that can move like cruiserweights. That was always a fun thing for me. And this match was no fucking difference. So let's get into it. The bell rang. Fans are already chanting for Lee. They stare each other down, looking at the cheering fans. They finally circle and they get the tie up. Dajakovic gets the headlock, Lee powering out only for Dajakovic to hold on to Lee's hand, keeping wrist control. Dajakovic swings for a heel kick. Lee gets under it. Lee swings, punches. Dajakovic deflects. Dajakovic ducks under a leaping sabat by Keith Lee. Fans are fired up already as the two circle again. Lee catches the kick from Dajakovic, pushes him away. Dajakovic goes through the boot but gets caught, avoids the magnum, but Lee gets the fireman's carry. Dajakovic slips out. Lee shoves him away. Things start to speed up. Lee then leapfrogs right into a crossbody. Fans get even more fired up. Lee runs in and hits the pounce on Dajakovic, knocking him off of the, knocking him into the apron. Over the top rope, Dajakovic days. As the crowd singing for Keith Lee. Lee takes his time going over to Dajakovic, daring him to stand. He stand Dajakovic stands up. Lee brings him up with a suplex. Dajakovic resists, resists the suplex. Lee then fights back. They go back and forth trying to lift the other. Dajakovic trying to lift Lee to take him to the outside. 
Lee gets Dajakovic up only to eat a knee from Dajakovic. Dajakovic starts clubbing away at Lee, but the Lee gets a headbutt on Dajakovic and goes to join Dajakovic on the outside, brings him up again. Dajakovic resisting for dear life, grabs Lee around the neck, powers Lee, then powers out of the choke grip. Dajakovic kicks low to get Lee again and hits an apron choke slam that Lee sold absolutely very well. Sold that like a goddamn champ. And we go and we went to the commercial break right after that. Solid, proper way to go to commercial break. But I don't like the fact that they do not do picture in picture. I'm all for having picture in picture. SmackDown did it. Broad never really did it, but SmackDown did do it for certain matches. I was wishing, especially for a match like this, of this magnitude, in a sense, that they were doing picture in picture for this matchup. So, returning from the break, Dajakovic fighting Lee off in the corner. Dajakovic goes for a punch. Lee ducks it. Lee then blocks another punch. Dex Dajakovic with a left hand, then hits a spine buster on Dajakovic. Fans fire it up again. Dajakovic returning to the apron. They go to the corner, revisit the buckle bump struggle that they had from last week. Dajakovic hits three straight chops and laughs at Keith Lee, but Lee just gets mad. Dajakovic sees Lee glaring. Lee bumps Dajakovic, then hits a slingshot corkscrew Piscato onto the outside on Dajakovic fans going bananas as Lee throws Dajakovic back in the ring, then brings Dajakovic up, goes for the Irish whip. Picks him up for a scoop, goes to the tilt world, but Dijakovic hits the, grabs the guillotine, didn't really have all of it. Lee tried to power out, tries to go for the suplex, only for Dijakovic to go for the cradle counter, rope break, saving Lee and both men slowly standing up. Dijakovic throws his forearm, hits a second. Lee then rocks Dijakovic with elbows, hits a headbutt. Lee then drags Dijakovic to the drop zone. Fans chanting, please don't die. Lee goes up to the second rope. Now, like I said, Keith Lee is 6'2", 6'3", 380 pounds. Most people would think that a man of that size cannot hit a moonsault. Even my dog thought he couldn't hit a moonsault. My mama thought he probably couldn't hit a moonsault. But Keith Lee hit a picture-perfect moonsault from the second rope. Clean. Clean as clean as a baby's butt after you get the diaper off. It was, it was so clean. Somehow got it, goes for the cover, and only gets a two count out of that. Nobody could believe, and actually, I correct myself, he's only 340 pounds. What's an extra 40? Anyway, so, Lee keeps focus on him, drags Dajakovic up, Lee hoists Dajakovic up to the top rope, starts throwing heavy lefts. Lee then climbs up the joint to Dajakovic and fans are anticipating what is going to happen next because the last time both men were on the top rope, Keith Lee hit a Spanish fly off the top rope. Dajakovic undersees what he might do. Dajakovic elbows Lee back. Dajakovic adjusts and somehow, somehow hits a super Canadian destroyer from the top rope. It was crazy. Fans are going bananas. Wolves to the cover. One, two. Keith Lee kicks out at two. Dijakovic is shot. Full sail, losing their damn minds. Then Dijakovic climbs up top rope. He hits a moonsault from off the top rope. Goes to the cover again. One, two. Keith Lee not only kicks out 
He sits up and he's cradling Dijakovic, looking like he was about to slam him into oblivion. He rolls through, deadlifts Dijakovic up, and hits a jackhammer from that move. One, two, three. Keith Lee gets his win back over Dominic Dijakovic, and we are now tied at one, one, and one. There is going to be a fourth. There has to be a fourth. You can't end a, a, a rivalry like this, and that especially has pretty much been one of the best rivalries coming out of the summer, going into the fall. They say you never leave on a heater in anything. If, if you're playing games, if you're playing the casino, you never leave on a heater. You never want to leave on a heater. And we're going to get a fourth match between these two. No mistake about it. It's just a matter of what are they going to do when they meet up for a fourth and final time. At this point, this matchup has the possibility of being a number one contenders matchup for a championship, whether it be the NXT title or what I think would make the most sense would be a North American championship opportunity. It would make the most sense. This match kicked off the night properly. Let me take a sip of water real quick. This match has the possibility of becoming a number one contenders match for the North American title. I think it would be a great opportunity for both men to put on their best foot forward, best foot forward when they get into this fourth matchup, whenever that may be. I say we wait until towards the end of October, going into November. Um, it would make sense, especially if we as we head towards NXT TakeOver War Games 3. Um, now, I know there will be a War Games matchup, and we are, I'm not exactly sure how it's still going to work out. I still think winner takes all is going to be a possibility, or it could, I mean, and I may, I may explain another possibility later, um, what they could be doing with... Uh, War games, and it's been a thing a lot of people on social media have been talking about, and I'll explain it when we get to that point. But going into the next segment, the Street Profits have a little promo segment saying, and of course, D'Angelo, uh, Angela Dawkins saying, People always wonder after you win one championship, can you come back for another? Do, you, do they still have that mentality? Well, October 2nd, live. On the USA Network, the Prophets vow to be two-time NXT Tag Team Champions. And we want all the smoke. Of course, that that being the opportunity, the rematch for the NXT Tag Team Championships between Undisputed Era and Street Profits going going two-on-two one more time for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Now, it is 1-1, with Street Profits defeating Undisputed Era to take over Toronto, and Undisputed Era taking the titles away from the Street Profits, I believe, earlier in the month. So this will conclude the rivalry between Street Profits and the Undisputed Era. So this is going to be a very interesting night next Wednesday to see what these two teams can do against each other to conclude their rivalry. It's going to be an absolute barn burner of a matchup. 
next Wednesday night. Team Kick brings back their captain, Dakota Kai, returns to NXT for the first time, I believe, in seven months after her injury. I believe it was an ACL injury that left her, kept her out of action for that long. And full stare cheering, welcome back as Dakota Kai came out to the ring. She was definitely overwhelmed with emotion. Um, I've never personally myself had any major injuries to the point where I've needed surgery or something like that. My worst injury, I would say possibly, would be I have um, bone chips in my thumb from uh, jamming it on a actual hardwood floor. Well, carpet, but not much underlayment on it, and I jammed it on a hardwood floor. I do have bone chips in my thumb to this day. If I, if I feel my thumb right now, I do have bone chips. I would say that'd be my most significant injury of my life. I never had a tear, thank goodness, knock on wood. Never really had any broken bones, anything like that. You know, I've, I played high school football and all that. But to come back from a, a major injury of that caliber is definitely, you know, something I could not fathom having, especially the rehab, the, what it takes to just get surgery, rehabbing it, getting back to full strength, just to being able to do everyday activities. I think it's one thing, but getting back into the squirrel circle and wrestling, man or woman, is a feat in and of itself, and it was really a big moment for Dakota Kai to come back. Like I said, she was overwhelmed with emotion, even when she made her way towards down the ramp towards the ring. You could tell she was just happy with the fact that she actually gets to be back in the ring. Her opponent for this night, Tainara Kanchi, and I'm definitely digging uh, Tanara Kanchi looks, she got it down, homegirl, yeah, Brazilian, we like that, remember, I am just a man, I am merely just a man, but she has grown and improved as of, uh, over the past, I'd say two months or so, especially with uh, matches, you know, especially with Zaili, I believe she had a match with Aaliyah, she's definitely grown over time, and I think Going into 2020, she'll definitely, I think personally, she can go from a lower tier talent to a mid tier um, going into 2020. I definitely think she, uh, what she can do has legs. Um, she's a definite heel from what I've seen. So it's going to be really cool to see how now with Dakota Kai back into the fold, um, how this women's division is going to shake out as we head towards the end of, of 2019. But anyway, let's get into the matchup. So this one went pretty quick. Surprisingly, uh, Dakota actually circled with Tainara. Fans are behind Team Kick. Tainara pie faces Dakota out the gate. So what does Dakota do in response? Boots her right in the face. <laughs> so uh, one kick from Dakota. Dakota goes up to the top. Bro, Tainara trips her up, kicks her down. It's actually, it's a, it's a nice kick actually on um, Dakota. Tainara then grabs the legs. Dakota does resist. Tainara kicks Dakota's arm. And that was the one I was talking about. Knocks her down, goes for the cover, immediately gets two count. Dakota has to worry about now her arm and her leg, and Tanara starts toying with her. Dakota getting mad, starts swinging on her, but Tanara ducks it, hits the judo takedown. Dakota then dodges one kick, but not the other. Um, missed the front kick and got caught with the back kick. Tanara goes for the cover again and gets a two count out of that. Tanara starting to grow frustrated, but starts toying with Dakota more, screaming at her, Latinas do it better. They do it, though. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie about that though. Have you seen her Instagram? I'm just saying. Anyway, Dakota breaks free, kicks, kicks uh, Tanara, then hits her with a hook kick, goes for the Irish whip. 
Dakota follows with the apron to go to the apron. Dex Tainara. Dakota then drags Tainara out to boot her on the apron, then goes back in, hits an axe kick on Tainara, kicking away at Tainara's face with the little uh, little kicks there. They are effective, which let, which had uh, Tainara floundering into the corner. Fans firing up. Dakota going around the world. One of her signature moves hits the boot on Tainara. She goes, uh, she picks her up in the fireman's carry, pops her up, hits the GTK, a version of the go to sleep, calls that the go to kick. One, two, three. Dakota Kai winning in her return to NXT. Now, I do have a bit of criticisms about this matchup. Nothing too serious, but two things. One, um, I thought this was a little bit short for my taste, but I understand why they went so short. Um, Dakota, I mean, of course, they did the same thing with Tegan Knox upon her return to NXT UK uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, of course, having coming back from an ACL and, of course, injury of her own that left her out for an entire year, um, and now having to worry about two knees that had surgery in the span of two years. Um, they wanted to have it go short because, you know, they don't want to, you know, aggravate the injury too much, especially upon a return in a, in a sport like professional wrestling. Same thing, I think, with Dakota Kai. Um, she had no brace. Um, actually, no, she, in front of her, she didn't have a brace. Um, so they didn't want to go too hard in the paint with her. They just want to get her a few minutes in just to get acclimated back into the ring and all that stuff. I still think it went too short. The GTK. I do not like the GTK. <laughs> I don't. I remember, um, if I remember correctly, she had a very, I forgot, uh, she had a variation move called the chiropractor that was kind of like a, um, Canadian, a modified Canadian destroyer that she used with her knee. Now, I think she was probably advised going forward not to use that move, um, which is understandable. So, I get it. From that standpoint, I still, I don't know, the GTK just didn't hit for me. Um, maybe it was because it didn't, you know, hit the right way. It, it, hit, it hit her in the chest more so than it would in the face, like uh, CM Punk's GTS used to do, or should I say Kenta's uh, GTS used to do, because Kenta was the originator of the move. Um, it doesn't hit the way I thought it was going to. Uh, maybe it'll grow on me going forward if she's able to use a variation of ways to get in the GTK. We'll see going forward, but it is really good to see Dakota Kai back in the swing of things in NXT. Kathy Kelly, right after the match, saying she has she had breaking news. William Regal announcing for hour two on the all well, she almost had the NXT network, but she caught herself and said the WWE network that Imperium versus Kushida and two mystery partners will, would be in hour two. Would actually be in the main event slot of hour two of NXT. So it was going to be really interesting. I was curious to see, like, who are they going to have Kushida have as his tag team partners? It was going to be interesting to see because I wasn't exactly sure who they were going to have. They could add a bunch of people. Could they pick Johnny Gargano? You know, X, Y, and Z. Who knows? But when they brought out his two mystery partners, I was very pleased with the decision that was made. Anyway, we had a little video package with Johnny Wrestling, of course, after his uh, announcement that he was not going to leave NXT, especially after what happened with Shane Thorne. Um, it was a little video package, nothing of substance, besides the fact that he won't leave NXT just yet. It's his home. 
Um, and they're going to be wondering, what will Johnny Gargano do the next time he's in an NXT ring? A little short and sweet statement there. Main event of the first hour. Hold on, I'm not even saying it properly. Main event of the first hour of NXT for this episode. The NXT Championship number one contender street fight between Matt Riddle and Killian Daniels. After what happened last week when Dan and Riddle tried to settle things in of street fight last week, it got to the point where everybody and their grandmama was pretty much uh, fighting each other. And I had equated it to the semi-pro uh, scene where, I, I believe, like I said, with the Tropics and the Spurs playing against each other, and they were just heated rivals. So they went to a commercial break, and they were just talking smack the entire time. When they went to commercial break, all I remember is Will Ferrell screaming, everybody hit everybody. And, and a brawl just went down. That's what I equated that to. And if you have never seen semi-pro, I urge you, I recommend it. You watch Semi-Pro. That movie is funny as hell. Great movie. A lot of star, uh, a lot of people in that fucking movie. Will Ferrell, Andre 3000 in that movie. Uh, Woody Harrelson's actually in that movie. That was, it's just a really good movie. Coming, I'm, I'm coming with Crazy Fist. You know exactly what I'm talking about when he says I'm coming with Crazy Fist. Anyway, so after the brawl that happened, where everybody and their grandmama got into the fight, William Regal, it was a video pack showing that the William Regal came out after the fight and said, we're not going to end it like this. This is not how it's going to go down. We're going to do this again next week. But this time around, the winner is going to get a shot at the NXT champion, Adam Cole, in two weeks' time. Now, one week, since we're in this week, I'm taking some water. Mm. Man, gone away for five days. I forgot how much I need to make sure I was, uh... Well, uh... I don't know what the word is with that one. Well, thirsty? Let's go with well thirsty. Not a word, but we're gonna go with it. How much water I needed during these recordings, I'll tell you. So, anyway, NXT Championship title shot on the line. Riddle vs. Dane, let's get into it. Bell rings... Dane daring Riddle to bring it. Riddle goes right after him. The two are throwing big body shots to start. Dane rocks Riddle. Riddle coming back with forearms and chops of his own. Dane, Dane. Fireman goes with the fireman's carry. Riddle fights it and that goes after the arm of Dane. And Dane easily throwing Riddle outside onto the outside. Riddle returns to tackle Dane. Starts raining fists and going after the arm bar on Dane. Dane goes to the cover immediately and gets a two count. The two back off again. Fans start cheering. Dane goes for the low kick. Clubs away on Riddle. Dane goes to the fireman's carry again. Riddle again slips out. Riddle goes to the wrist lock. Dane breaks free of that. Only to eat a peg leg kick from Riddle. Kips up. Goes to the wakes lock. And hits a German suplex. Goes to the cover and gets a huge count out of that. Dane bails out to the outside. Riddle goes on the pursuit. It's a leaping forearm on Dane as we head to the commercial break. I'm telling you, we need picture in picture. Next, starting next week, we need picture in picture. If we don't get picture in picture next week, I'm going to lose my shit. So, we turn, we return from break, and we see Dan hitting a splash on Riddle in the corner. He starts grinding his knee in, but doesn't have to let up because there are no 
Disqualifications. Riddle enduring the pain until Dane lets up. He then drags Riddle up, reels him in. But Riddle turns that into the bro trigger of the knee to the face. Riddle runs side to side, hits a forearm, goes for another, hits the bro splitter suplex. He kips up, kicks at Dane, goes for the flip. Dane dodges it only to eat a broton. And then another one from Riddle. Dane. Riddle makes Dane sit up, hits the PK, goes for the cover. One, two. Dane kicks out. Riddle keeps his focus. He hits an axe on Dane. Climbs up to the top rope. Dane springs up right to the electric chair position. Dane fights out of it. Goes to the victory roll. Gets a two count out of that. Hits the final flash knee again. But the roundhouse kick missed. Dane goes for the fireman's carry and hits the wasteland slam. And hits a senton of his own. And y'all know that is a lot of mass to go down onto one man. Dane brings Riddle up. Hits a power bomb. And a big elbow goes for the cover. Gets a two count out of that. Fans are going absolutely bananas. Dane drags Riddle up by his hair for another powerbomb. Riddle reverses it into a Alabama... Excuse me. Alabama slam. Had to burp there. My bad. Dane's now in the drop zone. Riddle goes up top. Hits a floating blow. Floating bro senton. I swear. Words are hard when I'm trying to actually do this. I'm trying to get it done as, as quickly as possible. Goes for the cover and somehow gets a two count out of that. Only a two. Riddle keeping his cool. He seeds Dane at the ropes, running in. Dane dodges it. Riddle tumbles out of it. Dane runs to dive. Direct hit, taking Riddle out, but it wasn't without doing damage back to him. Fans are chanting NXT. NXT, the referee checking on both to see if they're all right. Dane grabs a chair, tosses it right at Riddle's head. Riddle is dazed. Dane starts throwing chairs back in the ring. Dane smacking Riddle in the side with another chair. Riddle writhing in pain. Dane dragging him up. Hits a few forearms. They go into familiar territory. Dane, but Riddle kicks, hits palm strikes right on Dane. Dane, he sits Dane on the chair and goes for bro kicks. Dane falling out of the seat and fans are still going bananas. Riddle throws the chair down on Dane, then throws him into the railing. Dane staggering over in pain. Riddle bounces him off a table. Riddle then hits a chop, forearms, throws a few palm strikes. Dane rakes the eyes to stop the momentum of Riddle staggering away as Riddle. Dane then throws him into some suitcase trunks. Dane starts bringing Riddle around, shouting, You are nothing to me. You were in the UFC, you're nothing. Riddle fires off forearms when he hears that. Palm strikes. Dane hits a headbutt back and hits the divide. That flying crossbody crashing through the wall on the outside. Full sail going absolute ape shit as we go to a commercial break. We then return from the break. Both men have made it to the back row of the Full Sail Bleachers. They're just literally beating the shit out of each other at this point. They're just doing everything and anything to get the victory. Riddle hits a PK onto the table. Fans cheering as they get a front row experience. Takes aim. Hits a Broton right through the table. Riddle not slowing down. Getting back up. Full Sail still going apeshit. Riddle dragging Dane up. Hips a f- hits more palm strikes. They end up back at the front row. Dane taking a seat on the outside. Riddle goes for a kick, boots away on Dane, then kicks him right back to ringside. They go back into the ring. A Broton Atomico to the, uh, on freaking Dane. It was clean. It was beautiful. Cover. One, two. Dane kicked out of that. Riddle grabs a chair, fan cheering. But Dane hits him to the divide again, flattening Riddle. Dane not letting up. Kicks Riddle while he's down. Goes up to the top rope. Hits the Vader bomb on Dane. Goes up a second time. Hits it again. 
goes back up top the same way he beat Matt Riddle the first time they faced each other. Hits a third big Vader bomb. One, two. Riddle this time kicks out at two and nine fucking tense. He is shocked and furious at the same damn time. Goes back to the chair, slams it down on Riddle, keeps it there, grabbing a kendo stick. He then hits the kendo stick onto the chair right onto Riddle's ribs. Dane putting the chair back on Riddle's body, climbing up top again. But Riddle rises from the depths of God knows what, smacking Dane in the back and somehow power bombs him down. He then flips Dane over, throws the chair at him, hits the full metal final flash, that huge knee. One, two. Dane kicks out of the final flash. Riddle is shocked. Fans going ape shit. Again, just lose. I'm losing my shit as much as they're losing their shit at this point. I'm just like, how? What? How? What is this? How are we doing that? How did he kick out? All this good stuff. This is what NXT does. It makes you feel good. And it keeps you on the edge of your seat. Anyway, getting back into the matchup. Riddle grabs the chair, puts it back on Dane. He returns the favor, doing the same thing that Dane did to him. But he smacks the living crap out of him over and over again. Raining rights down on Dane. Dane covers up. Riddle turns him over, starts clubbing away on Dane's back, wraps Dane up. Dane resisting, trying to stay free of this bro, the bro mission. They get up, they stand up. Dane elbows free. Dane has a chair. Riddle punches it into Dane's face. I, I laughed my ass up when I saw that. He then starts slapping palm strikes over and over from all sides. Dane goes a bit low. But not not low, but not that low. A nice little low shot on the lower abs. Low enough though. It was effective. Throwing Dane starts throwing body shots, big forearms. Riddle catches one into the Fujiwara armbar though. Riddle pulling on the arm. Fans shouting tap, tap, tap. He then wrenches on it one huge time. Dane taps out Matt Riddle is now your new number one contender for the NXT tag NXT championship this was a great fucking match and I'll explain why when we talk about hour two when we uh, about why this was so significant for Matt Riddle um, I'll explain all of it in this in this hour because I don't want to go too long into the segment but after the matchup Adam Cole strolls out to the ring to meet the new number one contender and says, holds the title right into his face and says, this is mine. This belongs to me and you're not in my league. Riddle drags Cole over, locks in the Fujiwara armbar. Cole starts tapping. Out comes the Undisputed Era running out to save him. Riddle gets away before they could catch him and fans start chanting for the bro. And now we know next week, NXT Championship. Adam Cole, baby, defends the title against Matt Riddle. Like I said, I'll explain why this is so significant for Matt Riddle when we talk about Hour 2. Um, but that, ladies and gentlemen, is your NXT review Hour 1 of the show. What we're going to do is we're going to take a, uh, a break. We're going to listen from our sponsor, and we're going to do that. Have a sip of tea, take a snack, get prepared, hit pause if you need to after this. And then we'll get right into hour two of the NXT review. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And welcome back to episode 112 of the Young Lions Perspective, talking about the NXT review from last night's episode. And before we get into the second hour of NXT, I want to explain why Matt Riddle and Killian Dane's rivalry was so significant in terms of Matt Riddle. And just give me a second, I'm just going to turn on my light. All right. So, back in July, as most of you know, Matt Riddle got into the doghouse for tweets he had made, videos he had made online, especially talking about, uh, actually, we can go back to June, if you honestly think about it, um, when he first talked talked smack about the Undertaker-Goldberg match at um, the recent Saudi show, um, Super Showdown, or as I like to personally call it, Super Letdown. And that got him in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. He then talked about Kurt Angle. And at least I, was about, I forget which other legend he had talked about. But I think he talked about The Undertaker as well. I'm not exactly sure. But that got him into a lot of heat with management in NXT. So much to the point where the Dane Riddle rivalry basically started off as punishment for Matt Riddle. Dane's return to NXT started off with an attack on Matt Riddle. A lot of people would say this is punishment. It was punishment for what Riddle had done and said on social media as a way of saying, you can't be doing that, so this is how we're going to have to do it for you. And it didn't piss me off in the slightest for the simple fact that I knew why they were doing it. You know, when they put you in the dog, when you're in the doghouse, pretty much at that point have to be a sir yes sir kind of guy to get back in the good graces of management what blossomed what it blossomed into is a great rivalry a little bit of a nice little two month feud between Matt Riddle and Killian Dane over three separate matches technically two and a half because the street fight never really came to its conclusion but Matt Riddle did what he had to do, took the loss against Killian Dane the first time, taking four Vader bombs and suffering, you know, a loss to Killian Dane, a significant victory for Dane going forward. We then had the second part, which we knew this wasn't the end of the feud with the street fight, and even the matches he had leading up to that, he was upright, upstanding, did what he had to do. Pretty much was a sir, yes, sir kind of guy going into that second bout. And they ended it very in a very solid way with pretty much a brouhaha going down to end last week's episode. I believe it was last week's episode or the week before. I think it was last week's episode. So we had that. And then we had Riddle face Dane last night. And Dane and Riddle beats Dane to earn a shot at the NXT Championship. Now, the reason why it's, it's, it's so significant is that we had talked about, and you can go back and check out the episodes back in July as, as we were on the road to um, NXT TakeOver Toronto 2. Riddle was set on a crash course. Riddle was set to be the number one contender for the NXT Championship and faced Adam Cole at TakeOver Toronto. Given the fact that he kept being a slick-talking-ass motherfucker, got him in the doghouse so 
that led to Cole Gargano 3, which honestly, if you think about it, made the most sense. It wouldn't make any sense for Riddle to go after, to go against a Cole or a uh, Gargano at that point when we needed the conclusion to the feud. So instead, they had Riddle and Dane go at it with the feud. Now that Riddle has dealt with his heat, finally gotten out of the doghouse, he is now the number one contender to the NXT Championship. I think this is a very solid lesson for Riddle to have learned early on in this NXT career. Um, Sometimes it's better to not talk shit about certain people, especially, I mean, yes, it was what he said about Undertaker and Goldberg was warranted. Don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted for one second. What he said was warranted. But when you really look back at it, it was de- it was the right call for management to go after, not go after in a sense, to in a sense put Riddle in his place and let him know, hey, this is not, we don't do that here. You know, if you're in character and you're tweeting, that's fine. But if you're going outside of it, <clears throat> excuse me, and you're just, you know, slick talking out the mouth, out the side of your neck. There's going to be some repercussions for your actions. Riddle understood that. Did what he had to do. Became a sir, yes, sir kind of guy. And now he is the no more contender for the NXT Championship. So what started out as just a punishment for Riddle for slick talking now leads him where we should have been going into early August And that was the NXT Championship with Adam Cole. If things work out in mysterious ways sometimes when it comes to professional wrestling, sometimes guys get caught in the doghouse. But if they do what they need to do, sometimes you do get rewarded with a main event matchup. Um, Especially for an episode as we lead going into the first, you know, week of both AEW and NXT going head to head for a rating supremacy is a very good time to be Matt Riddle right now. Do I think Matt Riddle's going to become NXT champion at the end of the night on October 2nd? Hell no. Absolutely not. But I know he and Adam Cole will produce a great, great match next Wednesday night for the NXT championship. I think it'll definitely go over well. It could be a match of the year candidate. It could be a top 10 honorable mention when all is said and done. So... Sometimes you got to go through the bullshit to get to a better situation for yourself. And so, yeah, lesson. I think he learned his lesson completely. And going forward, I think he understands the error of his ways. Now we get into the second hour of NXT, picking up right where we left off after Cole got caught in a Fujiwara armbar. Um, they took the second hour regrouping after what happened. Um, just regrouping, now going into um, next week where O'Reilly, Fish, and Cole all have to defend their championships next Wednesday. So this is that nice little, uh, you know, shot at Cole to say, you know, I'm not just going to lay down for you. Anyway, let's get into the action of the second hour. And it kicked off with the Mosh Pit Kid herself, Rio Ripley, back in action after what happened with... Shayna Baszler. And she goes up against, well, not Lacey Lane, but she is now being known as Caden Carter. 
it took me a minute to figure out who Caden Carter was. And then when I recognized who it was, I said, that's Lacey Lane. So she, I guess she got a name change. They thought Lacey Lane really wasn't working. So they went with Caden Carter. Um, the name's all right. No, nothing really to sneeze at. You know, I mean, going forward, I think now. Give me a second, I'm going to take a sip of water. All right, we're good. So now going into the second, like the, now as we now get into the second hour of shows, going forward, we're able to showcase new talent. And opportunities like this are good for um, talent coming out of the PC, getting some shine, getting a little bit of showcase, even if it's just going to be a few minutes time. Because trust me when I tell you, this one didn't go long. So let's get into it. Bell rings. Kaden, <clears throat> ooh, excuse me. Kaden immediately drop kicks Rhea with a shotgun drop kick. Starts firing, uh, firing off forearms in the corner. Rhea shoving her away. Hits a drop kick of her own to Kaden. Goes gets goes to the cover. Gets a two count out of that. She then she then drags Kaden up to ram her into the corner, ramming in her shoulders. Referee has to back her off only long enough. Then Rhea starts clubbing Kaden down again. She drags Kaden up, smirking as she gets a suplex, holding Kaden up for a count of ten, showing off the strength of herself hits that goes for the cover and then it gets a two count again Kaden of course tougher than Rhea thought she would now Rhea's not letting up Rhea starts raining down rights talking trash right in front of Kaden's face fans start rallying up for Kaden Kaden dodges a stomp from Rhea kicks and a kick from Rhea rolls her up gets two count out of that somehow Rhea then grabs Kaden goes to the Irish whip Kaden hots up hits a hurricane Rana Rhea staggering right into forearms. Kaden chopping. Climbs up to acrobatically hurricane Rana Rhea around again. Fans firing up, getting behind Kaden as she goes for a springboard. Will Boyle. El- whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me try that again because that was terrible. Fans firing up. Kaden, Kaden runs into springboard. Wheelbarrow roll right into a mute kick. Goes to the cover, gets two count. Rhea escaping that. Kaden firing herself up, runs in. Rhea pop, pops her up, hits a flapjack. Puts her in the pump handle position, hits the riptide, and gets the victory over Caden Carter. That was a tongue twister, man. Jesus Christ. So, I mean, this is just a showcase match for Rhea Ripley. Nothing special. But we all know Rhea Ripley is gunning for that NXT Women's Championship. And I still am under the thought that she will get that title shot at TakeOver War Games 3 in November it just makes sense. What's that? Hi? You got something to say? No, you're good? Okay. Thought Molly was going to say something. Anyway, but we all know, I think the end game for Rhea Ripley is TakeOver War Games 3. Facing off again against Sheena Baszler for the Women's Championship. Um, as much as I know a lot of you guys would probably think LeRae is going to take the title from Baszler, I don't think it's LeRae's time just yet. And y'all, as long as I've y'all have been listening to me, ever since the beginning of the summer, I am a Shayna Baszler mark, and I will pretty much pick her to win every battle until she loses that championship. Going back to July, where I made the proclamation that if she did beat Io Shirai in the cage match, I will pick Shayna Baszler for every championship match until she decides to lose it. 
So yeah, I got to deal with it. It's, it's a burden I got to deal with. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Ripley going forward. Getting into tag team action. Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch making their return. The one-two back at full sale. Coming off a big win in 205 Live. And taking on Chase Parker and Matt Martell, the team known as Everrides. Yes, they, they have their tag team name and they are Everrides. Now, I was on Twitter and I basically said, this is the kind, this sounds like a, uh, a weak indie band who does, who does gigs at Walmart uh, store grand openings. I could have come with a, with a better joke. But that was the best one I could come up with at the time. Now, this match was actually more uh, very decent. I think um, got a ever rise, got a lot of action in here. So let's get into it. Oni starts with Martel. They tie up Oni powering Martel to a corner. Referee counting for the five count. Oni lets up after messing up Martel's hair. Apparently, Martel didn't like that at all. Comes in, ties up with Oni again. Martel gets the wrist lock. Wrenchy's on it. Brings Oni down to a knee. Oni fights his way back up though. Rolls, Martel holding tight to bring him back down. Fans rallying behind Oni as he gets up. Spins through, gets the reversal, and Oni now has the wrist lock. Tags in Danny Burch immediately. They start wrenching on Martel's arms, chopping him down to the mat. Burch keeping on Martel's arm. Martel goes for the low knee, though. Tags Parker in, and Parker runs into a headlock takeover. Burch grinding Parker down as fans are cheering for the one-two. The Brit and Brawlers, as I love to call them. Parker working against the hole, stands up to power out. He then catches Parker's leap, rocks Martel with an uppercut to, you know, just for, you know, lovely measure. Tags in Oni, and they start double, and they hit a double rushing leg sweep on, I believe, oh, I believe that was Parker. Martel throwing Oni out to the outside. Referee missed that completely, though. Martel tags in. He then drags Oni up into the ring, starts raining down right hands on Oni, slaps Oni around, and then tags Parker back in, who picks up, puts up a boot, and feeds Oni's face into it. Goes for the cover, only gets a one count out of it, though. But Parker immediately goes for a snap suplex on Oni. Goes for the float over. Gets a two count out of that. Parker then wraps onto Oni's arm. Fans rallying up behind Birch and Lorkin. Oni stands up. Parker then clubs him, wrenching him down. Tags in Martell. And now Oni is fed Martell's foot. Martell starts looming over Oni. Going after the arm. Martell hauls Oni up for a backbreaker. Goes to the cover. And that got a two count. Martel keeping on Oni, tags Parker back in, loving the quick tags between uh, these two guys. Uh, they combine, hitting a backbreaker, it's the running knee, which is actually a clean move. Gets a cover and gets a two count again. Parker begins going frustrated, pissed off, and he cannot put away Oni Lorkin. Starts, for, starts hitting forearms on Oni down, goes for a cover again, and gets a two count out of that. Parker keeps on Oni with a face lock. Birch and the fans rally up behind Oni. Oni fighting, trying to get to the corner of his partner. Martel tags in. They start mugging him in the corner. Martel goes for the snapmare. Wraps Oni up at the top wrist lock. Oni enduring everything. But he then fights up again. Martel clubs him back down. Tags in Parker. Oni fields Martel to the foot yet again. Actually, he feeds Martel to the foot this time around. Instead of being fed to the foot, tags in Bush with the hard tag. And the governor rallying with heavy hands. Birch hits European uppercuts on Parker. He then hits a corner clothesline. Adds an insecurity to that. Birch hops up top. Leaps. Hits the missile drop kick. Kips up. Fired up. And then headbutts Martel as cleanly as possible. Fans firing up a bridge. Shouts for Oni. Oni rises from the depths. It was some weird shit. He was on the outside. 
and he just screams, Oni! And Oni just rises up from the depths of the dead. Gets the tag from Birch, and they combine for that draping DDT. Goes for the cover. One, two, three. Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch get the victory over Ever Rise. And this actually wasn't a bad match for Martell and Parker. This is actually a really good match for them. Um, it was a little bit longer. Um, they got a little bit more offense in. Had uh, Oni and uh, Danny in a bit of trouble. But it was nice to see Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch back in on NXT. Um, I know they're building up the tag team division again. And I know going forward, now your top four in a sense, in my mind, is Undisputed Era, Street Profits, Lorcan and Birch, and Brizango going forward. Um, I'm hoping they start creating more heel tag teams uh, going forward because you're going to need those heel tag teams to go up against those baby faces. The Lorcans and Birches, the Brizangos. So it'll be interesting to see in 2019 what other teams are going to be coming up. What I would love to see and I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd love to see tag teams from the main roster go back down to NXT. I just don't see a WWE catering to the tag team aficionado for the remainder of the year going into 2020. I don't think they care about the tag team division that much. Um, I would love them. To, I would love them to see, you know, tag team wrestling. NXT, I think, can build that division around these four teams. But I think they're going to need a few more heel tag teams to counteract those uh, the amount of baby bases because you are you just have undisputed era right now really as the top heel team, but you need those secondary and um, tertiary tag teams um, at second and third billion to to go after. I mean, you got the Forgotten Sons. That's fine. That's not bad. But I know they can come. Up, they need to have another solid tag team. And actually, what we're going to do real quick while we have uh, a little bit of time here. I'm only uh, 18 minutes in at this point. We're going to look at the NXT roster real quick. See what tag teams they actually have here. So, um, just to see what we have going forward. <laughs> Eric Bugenhagen. Nice. Sweet. I love it. I absolutely love it. Let me see if I can get this down here. So, let me see what we got here. Just looking. Don't mind me. Just seeing if we got any tag teams are worth worth looking at. Hmm. We don't have much just yet. And it kind of sucks, but hopefully going forward, you know, maybe we'll get a little bit more out of, you know, the tag team division because I would love to see, you know, them actually build up this tag team division and make it worthwhile for us because I do like the tag team division in NXT and I think if they can build it properly they're going to be a much more of a force in 2019 going into 2020 anyway we then get into Cameron Grimes and Raul Mendoza and chairshot.com actually calls him the country caveman I call him the carny caveman same fucking thing I like the I love what I love about Cameron Grimes is his titantron you got a new Titantron video. It looks really cool. Fits Cameron Grimes very well. I know a lot of people are still um, on suspect mode with Cameron Grimes. The jury's still out on him. But I'm starting to grow a liking to him now. Um, 
it's going to take a little bit more time for Grimes to get over with the fans as opposed to like a Jordan Miles or an Angel Garza along those lines because they already are established. Their characters are easily establishable. Garza is the, you know, Latino dreamboat with the uh, ripoff pants that, uh, you know, the ladies can't get enough of. And Jordan Miles is the athletic anime superhero. So I think it'll be it'll take a little bit more time for Cameron to get his bearings and develop him into what I think he could be. But Raul Mendoza is no slouch. We know this. And I saw a tweet last night that kind of made me think about it. Why isn't Raul Mendoza part of the Cruiserweight division yet? I think they're just waiting for the right time to do it and, and waiting for the right time to introduce the Cruiserweights to the uh, cruiser, you know, to the NXT crowd. We did get Lorcan versus uh, Rush last week. So that kind of was a way to introduce them. Like, yeah, we got the Cruiserweights now on NXT. But I would love to see Mendoza in the tag team division going forward because I think he'd be a solid fit for the 205-pound division. Anyway, let's get into it. The bell rings, and immediately Cameron Grimes, just like he did last week, went for the double stops to end the match early. Mendoza, though, scouted it very well. Goes under, literally slid under Grimes and waves the Matumbo finger at him, saying, you're not going to beat me that easy. Mendoza dares Grimes to come out of the game. Grimes running in. Mendoza, though, grabs the leg and goes to wrench for the arm. Grimes scrambling about, but Mendoza holds on tight. Spins Grimes spins back to a backdrop, and Mendoza is up immediately. Goes for the arm again, gets a shoulder breaker, and into another wrist lock. Grimes can't fight back as Mendoza wrenches on the arm. He then trips Mendoza to a jackknife cover goes and gets the two count out of that. Mendoza goes for the bridge. As Mendoza went for the bridge, they spin around. Mendoza sunset flips, gets a two count out of that. Mendoza then goes right on that arm again, but I, but it gets an Irish whip from Grimes into a tilt-a-whirl, but Mendoza lands on his feet, and then it gets a hurricane runner on Grimes and hits him out onto the corner. Grimes gets to a corner. Mendoza runs in. Grimes tosses him out to the outside. Mendoza lands on the second rope, springboards back in for a flying headlock takeover. That was really clean. Fans loving that move. I've never seen that before, personally. Grimes makes the takeover to it, but he makes the takeover into a cover and gets a one count out of that. He pulls on Mendoza nose to do it again and gets a two count out of that. Mendoza holding on tight, though. Grimes fights up. Grimes pulling on Mendoza hair, Mendoza's hair, getting him to the ropes, throwing, starts throwing body shots. He then goes for the Irish whip, but Mendoza springboards up and over. Both men run. They both leap at each other, but it's Grimes with the Spanish fly. Cover one, two. Mendoza kicking out. Grimes is shocked at that move, at the fact that he actually kicked out, but he needs Mendoza back down. Goes for it again and again. Grimes jumps, stomping on Mendoza with the double stomp. Drags him up, hits the chop on him. Mendoza staggering away, but Grimes whips him corner to corner hard. Chest hitting the pads. Goes for the cover again, gets a two count out of that. Grimes is now annoyed, grinding his knuckles into Mendoza's ear. Then drags Mendoza up, wrenches him, grinds him back down. Mendoza enduring all the pain including that thrashing arm block, but he starts getting mad, fighting back up. Grimes powering back down, though. Both men gritting their teeth. Fans starting to rally behind both men. Mendoza fighting up. Starts throwing body shots. Grimes, Irish whips, swings, but gets caught in a crucifix cover, goes for the two, and only gets a two count of that. Eats a Superman punch. Mendoza eats a Superman punch from Grimes. Grimes for the cover. One, two. Mendoza kicks out yet again. Grimes continues to be shocked at Mendoza's toughness adds on and puts on an arm lock again Mendoza is stuck under Grimes Grimes twisting the arm but refusing to quit Mendoza manages to get back up Mendoza starts throwing more body shots but Grimes reels him in with a chin bar 
then adds both armbar and chin bar as he grinds Mendoza down. Fans continue to rally behind Mendoza. He gets up, powering Grimes into the corner. Grimes going at the chin again, but Mendoza arm drags it free of Grimes. He starts getting moving. Hits a running insecurity on that rocks Grimes. Has him groggy, but Mendoza is right on him with forearms and chops, putting Grimes in the corner. Goes corner to corner with the Irish whip. Mendoza running in. Another insecurity rocking Grimes yet again. Goes up top. Hits the missile drop kick that and Grimes crawling to another corner. Fleeing from the attack of Mendoza. Mendoza runs in, but he runs into an elbow. Grimes hots up. Mendoza hits a cartwheel. Enziguri and springboards. Hits a super steiner. One, two. Grimes kicking out. Holy shit. Mendoza not stopping. He's on the move. Goes for the suplex. Grimes fighting back. They move around. Grimes rolls Mendoza away and hits two. Goes for the, He rolls Mendoza up for a pink out. For pinfall, I'm sorry. Gets a two count of that and immediately hits the double stomps. One, two, three. Cameron Grimes getting the victory over Raul Mendoza. Solid victory for Mr. Grimes. Uh, Raul Mendoza, like I said, is no slouch in NXT. And to defeat, and defeat him early on in his career is a solid victory for him um, as he moves his way up the ladder in NXT. Make sure to drink your water while you're recording. Trust me, it's a big deal and it'll save your life. Anyway, main event time for the second hour of NXT and for your NXT review. Imperium. Dimat is highly good. Fabian Eichner, Marcel Bartel, and Alexander Wolf, which made me question where the fuck is Walter? Anyway. Oh, excuse me. So, after what happened last week, and of course they announced, of course in the first hour, Kathy Kelly announced William Regal made the announcement that there will be a six-man tag with Imperium taking on Kushida and two mystery partners of his choosing. So, Kushida surprisingly came out first, which was kind of weird to me to have him come out first when he basically should have came out second with the advantage of Imperium not knowing who his two mystery partners are. So, it was kind of weird, but when it came out, Imperium, of course, already in the ring. So, we find, so, he, does, he looks at his, you know, wristband, he looks at his uh, wrist tape with the watch and taps it. I thought that was a cool move there. That was really, really cool. And then we hear sirens and the first thought that came into my mind is Scott Steiner is back in NXT. It's now in NXT, I should say. No. We had Breezango chosen as the mystery partners for Kushida to take on Imperio. I'd say it was a nice choice. It was a very solid choice for Breezango uh, to be chosen by Kushida, especially now they're trying to get over them over as baby faces to go after NXT UK's most dominant stable at the current moment. So, team sword out and Kushida will start against Eichner. They tie up. They go around. Eichner gets the waist locked to taut and tosses Kushida immediately. Just tosses him like a little rag doll. Eichner then starts firing off Kushida in the corner, whipping our whipping Kushida to the ropes. 
Kushida reverses it, goes for the hip toss, and a cartwheel drop kick by Kushida. Goes for the cover, gets a two count out of that. Kushida keeping on Eichner's arm, but Eichner immediately gets up, tags out to Wolf. Eichner still whips Kushida, hits a spine buster, then Bartel adds a PK for good measure. Wolf gets in as Eichner feeds Kushida with Bartel's Tilt World face to Tilt World's face buster by Bartel. Wolf then deadlifts Kushida, hits a deadlift German, goes to the bridging cover, but immediately Brizango breaks it up. Wolf drags Kushida up, lifts up to a Canadian rack, slip, but Kushida just slips out of it, tags in Fandango, and then Kushida drop toe holds Wolf into the ropes. Fandango hits a slingshot, sunset flip, goes for the cover, gets a two count. Wolf kicks back, goes for the Irish whip of Fandango, slipping out of a scoop to whip, hits a drop kick, goes immediately for the cover again, and gets a two count out of that. He then drags Wolf over, hoists Rolf onto the ropes, leaving him out to dry. Breeze gets the tag in. They do a double boot to Wolf. Uh, they double boot Wolf down uh, to the mat. Breeze for the cover, goes for the cover, gets a two count out of that. He then keeps on Wolf with a face lock, hits a snap suplex, adds a leg drop, goes for a cover again. Fast covers, trying to put him away early. Breeze continuing to keep on Wolf, bringing him over. Wolf powers Breeze to the Imperium corner. Eichner gets the tag. Breeze slipping free, hits him with a mule kick to get him away. Bartel goes for the distraction. Eichner feeds Breeze to Wolf's uppercut, which is very fucking deadly. Eichner tosses Breeze out, tags in Bartel. Bartel going around to run, uppercutting Breeze down. Bartel then drags Breeze back into the ring. Keeps on Breeze with a rain of right hands, then adds a headbutt for good measure, stomping on Breeze, and immediately tags in Wolf, keeping the fresh man in. Wolf takes the handoff, clamps on the Cobra Clutch, smothering Breeze to the mat, but fans start rallying behind Breeze. He fights his way back up. Wolf holds the part camel clutch. Breeze endures it, fans, of course, rallying behind Breeze. He elbows free, but Wolf clubs him back down to the mat, using the Cobra Clutch in a backbreaker. So Boo goes to the cover, gets a two count out of that. Wolf then drags Breeze around, tags in Eichner. He starts mugging Breeze, puts him into the ropes, tags in Bartel. As they hit the Tree of Woe, double dropkick combo that looks ever so damn good. It is just very nice. Very, very nice. Imperium standing tall as fans boo them, jeering them, chanting they suck, all that good stuff. You know how he'll do it. Breeze slumping to the floor, and the referee begins his 10 count. Bartel drags Breeze up to a slap. Puts Breeze in, stands on the arm, and I believe he did a nice little uh, Imperium pose in the process. Wolf then tags in. Breeze gets caught by Wolf as Kof scrapes his shoes on Breeze's face, and I don't think that feels good. I mean, I get a dog ball from my dog every once in a while while she's, you know, when I wake up in the morning. And she's just laying on me, giving me, you know, kisses to the face. And then just hits me with a paw right there. If that feels anything like that, I don't like any bit of it whatsoever. So, after he scrapes the shoes on his face, he then drags Breeze up, tags Eichner back in. Fan saying, chanting, not the face, not the face. As Eichner boots Breeze down to the mat, he then starts choking Breeze on the ropes, reeling him in for a back suplex, goes for the cover. And gets a two count out of that. Eichner tags in Bartel. Bartel throwing European uppercuts as, as best as we know he can. Gets the cravat hold. Snapmares Breeze down and gets another face scrape. You really need to calm down with the face scrapes, man. It's a lot, it, was, it was rough. It was a rough night for Breeze. Hits a you running European uppercut. Goes for the cover. One, two. Breeze kicking out of that. Bartel keeping on Breeze with the top wrist lock and gym bar. 
fans rallying behind Breeze. Breeze fights his way up again. Bartel goes for the low knee, but Breeze fighting off Imperium. Tosses Bartel out hard to the outside. Breeze calling for the corner. Bartel, though, intercepts. Breeze, he, Breeze then gets the bat drop. But Bartel goes for the sunset flip cover. Two count out of that. Breeze ducking the punch only for Wolf and Eichner to trip up Fandango and Kushida to the outside. Not being able to get the tag for his team. Bartel has Breeze now back in the Imperium corner. Imperium stomping away on Breeze while the ref has to keep Fandango and Kushida back from any other nonsense. Bartel grinding his foot onto Breeze's face. Let's up at four from the referee's count. Tags in Eichner. Eichner taunting Breeze at this point. Breeze needs to get out and get a tag in the worst way possible. Eichner kicks Breeze. He picks his face over and over, throwing big haymakers. Blows up the opponent's corner, opponent's corner. And gets an insecurity from Breeze. Fans start firing up. They know now this is the time to get a hot tag. He hot tags Fandingle. Hot tag to Wolf from Eichner. And of course, chop after chop. Lariat on Wolf. Chopping away on Eichner. Wolf turns Fandango around. Eats a forearm for his troubles. It's a falcon arrow on Eichner. Wolf then runs back in. Bartel is the boost for the tornado DDT. Bartel then gets tossed out. Fandango runs. Tagged into Kushida. And he flies. Wiping out the entire team of Imperium. So, Fandango feeds Bartel to Kushida's springboard missile dropkick. Kushida then rolls, jumps, DDT's right into the armbar. Bartel flailing, but Imperium saves him from further damage. Rizango brawls and clotheslines Imperium outside of the ring. They then get wrecked into the post and the steps. Kushida then handspring kicks White Wolf and Eichner out, which always is good. Bartel gets past Kushida, but hits but eats the fastball right hand. Goes for the Irish whip. Bartel reverses it only for Kushida to the handspring right into Bartel's uppercut. Somehow, though, still manages to lock in the Japanese clutch. Gets the cover. One, two, three. Kushida and Rizango get the victory over Imperium. A very shocking victory by Kushida and Rizango. Time splitter himself. Snatch victory from the Jaws of Defeat. Kushida celebrating on top of the stage. And would you know it? And I was waiting for it to happen. I was like, where's Walter? And Kushida turns around. Runs right into the boot of Walter. Knocking him down on the stage. The ring general not standing anyone to make a mockery of the mat. All three members, all the remaining members of Imperium stand with Walter. As they hit the Imperium pose to end NXT this week. This was a very good episode of NXT. A lot of building going forward. They were building towards to not I was about to say tomorrow night. I'm like, that would be lit. But they're building towards next Wednesday. Next Wednesday starts everything. Next Wednesday begins the so-called Wednesday Night War between themselves and AEW. And they're putting on their best for next Wednesday. We're getting three title matches. Already feels like a takeover. I don't even know what else they're going to have on the card, but they're just giving you those three matches just to get you hyped up for it. I know AEW's card, Sammy Guevara versus Cody, MJF versus Brandon Cutler, we're going to get the first ever women's championship. Uh, first ever women's champion to be crowned between Rio and Nyla Rose. 
we're going to have, I believe, a six-man tag team match between Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus AEW World Champion Chris Jericho and two partners of his choosing. I think I'm missing one other match that I can't think of off the top of my head. But that's the card we're having so far as, of course, you know, any other possible. And I think uh, Moxley takes on Spears. If not this week, the week, a- if not next week, the week after that. Um, my mind slips to me. Actually, we're going to check that out real quick. What the AEW Dynamite card is going to be for next week. Let me just make sure I got that. Okay. So let me see here. So let's see what the card looks like. I want to make sure I have it perfectly right, just so we have yourself prepared for this. Um, so we have, of course, Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara. Make sure I had that right. That's gonna be a really, really good, <clears throat> really, really good match between these two. Sammy Guevara is a definite threat um, in AEW. I think he's gonna have a very good match with Cody. Now the Rose, of course, and Rio for the first ever women's championship match. Uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks taking on Chris Jericho and two mystery partners. Uh, it'd be very interesting to see. Okay, that was the one I forgot. Adam Hangman Page is going to take on Pac in the first episode of AEW Dynamite. And of course, MJF and Brandon Cutler are going one on one. What we're expecting to see also on Dynamite's debut for next Wednesday. Uh, John Moxley is going to make an appearance at um, for Dynamite. Of course, he is. He's got a deal with uh, Omega uh, with a plan match. Um, they're going to have at Full Gear, so this definitely going to be the start of the build towards Full Gear. Um, now, Cody has stated we've only seen forty percent of the AEW roster, um, so a lot of big names can still be coming out. We still don't know who the two mystery partners for Jericho will be. So that's what we have going on for, you know, for pretty much next week. Now for, let me see here, what AEW's, not, uh, I should say, what NXT is going to have next week is those three title matches. That's what we're definitely going to get out of it. And it's going to be fun to watch how this unfolds between AEW and NXT now that they're going to go head to head. I said this last night on Instagram and in the one minute video I did, a 60 second thought. Um, we should not be considering this a war. We should be considering this a victory for fans everywhere. We're going to get AEW and NXT. We're going to get Raw during Monday, uh, Impact during Tuesday, if you do watch that, AEW and NXT on Wednesdays, um, Beyond Wrestling apparently on Thursdays, but I don't really know the product well enough. And I think it's a subscription thing and I don't have the beans to do, pay for that anyway. Friday night, we're going to get WOW and uh, Women of Wrestling and NJPW Wrestling. And it's going to be a good week. It's going to be great. It's just going to be, a, it's a great time for us to be fans right now. Because we're going to get so much wrestling during the week. Now, Tuesday and Thursday are going to be my days off because I don't watch Impact and I don't really know Beyond Wrestling well enough. And Thursday football, deal with it. I- I'm going to enjoy myself. But we do get NXT AEW on Wednesday, New Japan and wow on friday it's gonna be hard to sort out how everything's gonna go and monday will probably be a day off for me too because a football b raw sucks so that is with that but that ladies and gentlemen was your nxt review so we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna get you prepared for episode 113 of the young lions perspective we're gonna talk nxt uk we'll be right back
Bro. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 112 of the Young Lions Perspective. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode and you had an opinion about the episode, or if you had an opinion about last night's episode of NXT, do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message on anchor.fm slash young lions perspective. Give me your opinions, your thoughts about NXT, about, you know, what you thought about this episode, pretty much anything in general, man. Um, give me your thoughts, your opinions, what you think about the product as a whole, what you think about going into next Wednesday when AEW and NXT go head to head. And if I like what you're talking about, I guarantee that I will feature your voice message on a future episode of the Young Lions Perspective. If you did enjoy this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share this episode across all of your social media, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Twitters. Let the people know that the Young Lions Perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay. Now, if you do not have the Anchor app, and you still want to check out this episode and all the other 111 episodes of the Young Lions Perspective, including four episodes of the Secret Files podcast and 6.5 episodes of the Outside the Ropes podcast, you can still find this podcast across several different platforms. I promise you there's several, plenty, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, CastBox FM, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good Oh, Spotify fail. Search for the Young Lions Perspective across all these different platforms and you have no problem finding it whatsoever. And thank you to everyone who's checking out this podcast across several different platforms besides the Anchor app, my Apple Podcast people, my Spotify people. I appreciate every single one of y'all for checking it out. Let's get, send out, spread the word. Let the people know about this podcast, man, and we'll grow bigger and bigger as we go forward into the remainder of 2019. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions perspective, including any breaking news I may put out, any 60-second thought videos I put out on Instagram, anything like that, do not hesitate to follow me on my social media on Twitter at SwedeSenatorWWI. That's S-U-E-D-E-S-E-N-A-T-O-R, capital W, capital W, capital I. I do live tweeting for Smack That Live, and I'm kind of constricting it a little bit because there's a lot going on. So, from here on out, until I change my damn mind, I do live tweeting for S SmackDown. I will be doing live tweeting for SmackDown because y'all know Raw is trash. NXT, AEW, and going forward, I'm not. I'm gonna try to figure it out in terms of live tweeting for both shows. I'll try to figure it out. NXT UK, if I can. Every live WWE pay-per-view for sure. And if I have nothing else better to do at 2 a.m. and New Japan Wrestling is on, I do live tweeting for New Japan as well. It's rare, but sometimes I do do it. So it bees what it bees. But from here on out, from, from here on out, most of the time it will be SmackDown Live, AEW, and every live, uh, live WWE pay-per-view. Um, I may switch up and do live tweeting for NXT, AEW. I'll figure it out once we get there. And then, of course, the mothership and is everything that is YLP Podcast. I am on Instagram at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything goes on with the Young Lions Perspective Podcast. So, 
NXT UK review episode 113. Hmm. What would be a good day to do it? I've got nothing else to do tomorrow that I know of. So, just so y'all know, NXT UK review episode 113 of the podcast is going to go down tomorrow, Friday. I'm going to make sure I watch NXT UK. And then we're going to talk about the episode of NXT UK right after that. I want to make sure it's fresh on my mind when I do recording for it. Because, you know, sometimes it's better with breakfast and professional wrestling. So, until tomorrow for episode 113 of the Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your night. I am picking the Packers to beat the Eagles 28-14. Just so y'all know. And I hope the Packers defense does work because I have them in my fantasy team for this week. And I hope I go big. In the paint. It is what it is. Eagles fans, it's something you've got to deal with. Bees what it bees. Until tomorrow, guys. Enjoy the rest of your night. And I'll speak soon for episode 113 of the Young Lions Perspective. See ya!